you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to share us and subscribe so you don't miss our next show. We'd love to talk with you again. So, on to today's topic. Why make this podcast? Politics are important. What goes on in the halls of government at the federal, state, and local levels impacts all of us. Politics shape the fabric of government from Washington down to Main Street. The people, the governed, have the power to shape those politics. They do this through being aware of the issues, understanding their impact, and taking action to ensure positive outcomes. They do this through civic engagement with their friends, neighbors, and elected leaders, and through informed, conscientious voting. Understanding the issues is not easy. Our modern world is complex, interconnected, and evolving at incredible speed, with heavyweight consequences for missteps. It is not helpful that politicians, power brokers, and media interests are invested in shaping opinion to suit them and stoke conflict amongst the people. The people, so burdened, must choose between enduring the battlefield of modern political rhetoric in addition to the demands of their daily life or disengage. Many disengage. So many voices are lost to us because people just cannot tolerate the shouting, the finger-pointing, the anger and disappointment of talking about politics. This leaves us at the mercy of the ideologues, the militants, the culture warriors, who see anyone that doesn't agree with them as an enemy to be destroyed. That attitude is not a recipe for a healthy society, and it could be suggested that the quality of government, and thus the lives of the governed, has been impacted by it. An informed electorate is key to improving the situation, and thereby lifting up the people and the country, but all people need to get involved to achieve that goal. I enjoy talking about politics. I can tolerate the contentiousness and try very hard to check my own perspective at the door and attempt to get down to the facts. I'm not innocent. I have my own opinions and predispositions like anyone else. But what I won't do is write them down in permanent ink and stop thinking and evolving. Previously, I mentioned civic engagement. In my opinion, it is our duty to participate. This show is my attempt to do that, to reach out to anyone who will listen and show them they are not alone. The political landscape is full of shows, from one end of the spectrum to the other, but most of them share the same problem. They are ideology-driven and seek to program listeners, not inform them. I will approach this show from a listener perspective. I am here for you, not the other way around. I see you in the kitchen, the backyard, or in your car on the way home from work as I talk. I want you to enjoy our talks and see real value and utility in the time we spend together. I'm not going to pump scary music tell you there's a war for our country, that you're the victim and it's that other person's fault. There's more than enough of that already, and I believe that's part of the problem. I will present real issues, I will dig down into them, and talk about them at length. What I won't do is tell you what you should think about it. I leave that up to you. In this way, I hope to serve the goal of bringing reasonable people back into the conversation. People capable of disagreeing without being disagreeable. If you will see fit to listen, I thank you and hope to bring you relevant, unbiased, and useful information and commentary, maybe even some laughter and fun. I hope to see you again. Our topic today is the federal budget, specifically the annual budget for discretionary spending. If you've been paying attention to the news recently, you've likely heard the ramp up to the annual circus that is the finalization of the federal budget. This year shows signs of being another nail-biter with talks of a government shutdown looming. Before we get into exactly what the problem is this year, I thought it would be fun to dive into the history and mechanisms of how the federal budget process came to be, how it is supposed to work, and define and better understand the terms we often hear tossed around, 
but perhaps didn't fully grasp. I know I learned a lot researching this topic for the show, so let's dive right in. The federal government's fiscal year runs from October 1st of the preceding year until September 30th of the named year of the budget. For example, the budget currently being worked on, or not, depending on your opinion of Congress, is for 2024. But that fiscal year actually starts October 1st of 2023, with two weeks to go until that date the rising tension regarding its completion and passage becomes understandable. It's getting close. Government spending falls into two categories, mandatory and discretionary. Mandatory spending is the larger piece of the pie, the pie being made up of our warm, delicious tax dollars. It's almost three quarters of total annual spending. Mandatory spending, also called direct spending, is required and set by specific laws pertaining to the programs being funded. As an example, Social Security funding targets were set in the Social Security Act that was most recently amended in 2019. These funding levels are mandated and do not go through annual budget negotiations. To change the funding amounts, the actual law that created Social Security, passed in 1935, would have to be amended again. Programs such as Medicare and SNAP, which stands for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, aka food stamps, are also mandatory spending. Another very important mandatory spending item is the interest on federal debt, projected to be around $663 billion in 2023 according to the Cato Institute. That's just interest, mind you. Not paying down the amount borrowed, the principal, just maintaining the balance. When you maintain a balance on your credit card, it incurs interest charges that you must pay over and above the principal, the money you use that wasn't yours. When the federal government uses money that isn't theirs, over and above the original money that wasn't theirs, wink wink, taxes, similarly there are interest charges resulting from carried balances. Unfortunately, similar to you and I being on the hook for our personal debt, we are also on the hook for the federal debt, to the tune of over $93,000 per person. Ouch. When you hear about deficit spending, know that that means you're being saddled with more debt without your consent. It's worth paying attention to. Again, mandatory spending accounts for the lion's share of federal spending. $4.6 trillion this year alone. To put a number like that in perspective, that is over 17% of the gross domestic product of the United States. GDP is the measure of all final goods and services produced by the entire country, a fairly significant metric. That figure has risen from 8.5% in 1973 to 17.6% in 2023. Not only the amount of money spent on this segment of the federal budget has increased, but also its share of the total federal budget, rising from 47% in 1973 to 73% in 2023. Mandatory spending is huge. In fact, it is the primary cause of the United States fiscal imbalance, with 60% of it caused by legislation enacted between 1965 and 1972. Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Then we come to discretionary spending, the topic for today. The tax dollars spent here vary from one budget year to the next, with the amounts and distributions shaped by the political priorities of the President and Congress at the time. Think of it like your monthly grocery bill. Your car loan payment, contracted, mandatory, that's not negotiable. But food is discretionary. Yes, you need to eat, 
But depending on your fiscal health, steak might not be on the menu this month. It might be Hamburger Helper. In much the same way, for example, the Department of Defense might really want shiny new ships. But the current administration does not share that priority and instead directs funds to a social program instead. This forces DOD to adjust their procurement budget to reflect approved funding. Maybe they ask for fewer new ships this year or upgrade existing ones instead. The various interests involved want all the things they ask for, but there is only so much taxpayer money to throw around, so some departments and programs are going to be disappointed. This competition, understandably, breeds animosity and rather unfriendly behavior, and if it seems like it happens every year, it's not just a feeling. It pretty much does happen every year. The modern federal budget appropriations process was created by the Congressional Budget and Impoundment Control Act of 1974. Since then, Congress has only passed all required appropriations bills by the deadline four times. 1977, 1989, 1995, and 1997. Four years in almost half a century, Congress finished the budget on time, the last being over 25 years ago. Imagine having a record like that at your job. The office of the president was given the responsibility for planning the federal government, or the federal budget rather, with the passage of the Budget and Accounting Act of 1921, which required the president to submit a comprehensive annual budget to Congress and created what would come to be known as the Office of Management and Budget, OMB. One of the powers presidents already had was called impoundment. Impoundment was when the president refused to spend money that Congress had appropriated and was first used by Thomas Jefferson. Yes, we are going that far back. The last president to try to use this power was Richard Nixon, when he threatened to use impoundment on appropriated funds for policies he didn't like. Congress responded with, you guessed it, the Congressional Budget and Impoundment Control Act of 1974, which persists, persists to this day. It created the modern budget process and stripped the president of his impoundment power. These two pieces of legislation set down the following methodology for creating and approving the federal discretionary spending budget. The federal agencies prepare their individual budget proposals and submit them to the OMB in early fall. OMB reviews the proposals and provides a response called passback to the agencies detailing policy and budgetary goals. This usually goes out the Monday after Thanksgiving. The agencies can attempt to appeal or accept the adjustments with OMB finalizing their process in late December around Christmas time. It is common practice for the President to discuss the upcoming budget submission during the State of the Union and it is supposed to submit it to Congress on the first Monday of February, but it is sometimes late. After Congress receives the budget, the Congressional Budget Office reviews it and submits their report to budget committees. April 1st begins work on the Concurrent Budget Resolution, a non-binding legislative measure used to regulate internal affairs of the Congress, and the deadline to finish it is the 15th, but that deadline has been missed 30 times. In absence of that, they may pass what are called deeming resolutions, with a simple top-line total for appropriation committees to work within. Starting May 15th, appropriations bills will begin to be considered in the House, and the deadline to have all appropriation bills delivered is June 10th. Because a budget resolution does not have the force of law as a concurrent resolution, 
Any changes to it must be accomplished via separate legislation. A process called reconciliation can be used, whereby a budget resolution can be approved by simple majority, but the House and Senate must agree on the need for reconciliation. Any reconciliation must be completed by June 15th. The deadline for the House to approve all the appropriations bills is June 30th, but that almost never happens. There is no hard deadline for Congress to then submit the budget to the President, but once received, he is required to sign or veto it within 10 days. The original intent of the 1974 Congressional Budget Act was for independent appropriations bills to be passed, one per subcommittee in each chamber of Congress. But what has become very popular is bundling the various appropriations into larger omnibus spending bills. These behemoths have become notable for their ability to hide controversial rules and pork, spending specifically funneled to certain representatives' districts, which is used to reward the support of constituents and special interests. These bills are thick, sometimes a thousand pages or more, and legislators don't have enough time to seriously study and debate them before called to vote. That's some basic background on the budget process in all its convoluted glory. Now, what exactly is the problem this year? The crux of the matter appears to be competing House Republican caucuses. These are groups of members who share common legislative objectives. The House Freedom Caucus, a hard-right coalition of House members, is holding up progress on these appropriations bills until they get what they want. They claim to be fighting for border security, reduced government spending, the weaponization of the Justice Department and FBI, and wokeness in the military. Any one of these issues are multidimensional and capable of filling an entire episode, so I won't dive into them today, but just take the HFC at their word that that is what they want. They seem all too willing to shut the government down over it. As the deadline looms, tempers are starting to flare up, and Republican Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy and other moderate Republican members are frustrated by the lack of progress. The Democrats are certainly unwilling to entertain the demands of the HFC and their Confederates. McCarthy's recent decision to open an impeachment inquiry against President Biden will certainly not win over the Democrats and seems to have done nothing to bring the more conservative wing of his own party to the bargaining table. Kevin McCarthy had a tough time securing enough votes at the beginning of the year to secure the gavel as Speaker of the House. It took 15 rounds of voting to win, and he had to agree to a long list of concessions, but one in particular could open him up to attack. He agreed that any member can call for a motion to vacate the Speaker's chair, effectively a vote of no confidence, and fellow Republican Matt Goetz is now dangling that as a possibility. He warned the Speaker that he is, quote, out of compliance with the agreement that allowed him to become Speaker, and that the path forward for the House of Representatives is to either bring you into immediate total compliance or remove you, threatening to file a motion to vacate to eject McCarthy from the Speakership. McCarthy does not seem to be worried, though, as in a recent closed-door meeting, he challenged the holdouts to, quote, move or file a effing motion to remove him as Speaker, according to unnamed sources. As of this recording, only one spending bill has passed in the House, H.R. 4366, the Military Construction, Veterans Affairs, and Related Agencies Appropriations Act of 2024. It was sponsored by John Carter, a Republican representing Texas District 31, just north of Austin. It passed with 219 Republicans voting yay, two nay, and all 209 Democrats voting nay. That was the House. 
It has now crossed over into the Senate, where amendments identifying the effective date of the legislation are being discussed. That's it. Everything else is still in committee, with just 10 working days left before the September 30th deadline. If the other 23 bills between the two chambers of Congress are not approved by then, or some sort of continuing resolution, a temporary spending bill to cover government operations past September 30th passed, the government will shut down. Essential services would remain in partial operation, with essential or accepted employees working, but without pay, which will be retroactively paid to them when the shutdown ends. All other non-exempted employees would be furloughed with the potential for, but no guarantee of, payment of lost wages at the end of the shutdown. I will provide updates as the situation develops. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take the time to leave a comment here and on Podchaser. It helps us know how we're doing and what topics you'd like to hear in the future. Have a great day. Music